Brought to you by the Game Reviews and the Unified Gamers Network. You're listening to Big Red Potion, a podcast that doesn't endorse cross-console flame wars. Unless we're the ones hosting them. I'm your safely garrisoned host, Joe D'Elia, TGR's previous director, and the only man protected from attack in this multinational warfare that's about to commence. With me, as always, though a bit muffled today, is the man who puts the ace into Space Channel 5, TGR's editorials and features director, and the man who will be representing Big Red Potion in today's verbal bitch slap, Sinan Kuba. Tell me, sir, are you ready to rumble? Apparently so. Um, yeah, I, I apologize for being a bit muffled today. My mm. USB mic decided to die literally a minute before recording. So I'm on my built-in Mac using the built-in microphone and just hoping that this will come through the recording. It's unforgivable, sir, but I think we'll carry on anyway. Now onto our laundry list of guests who represent many of the delightful shows that can be found within the Unified Gamers Network. First up, the only other American brave enough to come on board, representing thegamerscene.com and its scene cast, I present to all of you in his first ever Big Red Potion appearance, Fly. So tell Hello. me, Fly, how does it feel to represent the US of A today? I, I'm happy. I'm happy to have somebody else that I can fully understand without <laughs> having to listen real carefully. So it's nice. It is pretty nice, huh? It's actually rare on our show, too. So uh, this is good. Um, next up, a man who shares my devotion for the classics, despite his podcasting partner's complaints, Rasso Albion from the Gamer Dork Podcast. A pleasure to speak to you again, sir. And I'm sure your choice for today's show is pretty tough to make. Uh, Yeah, you could say that. Okay. Yeah. Hi. Sure. Um. I just want to throw a quick plug out there. Uh, Sinat and I were on Gamer Dork episode 15 entitled Bins, Trains, and Coffee Mobiles last week, which uh, is a really fun time, and you guys should coffee. definitely have coffee. Uh, I can't really... My, my voice today is not in a New York mood, so I can't really enunciate it well. Uh, next up from those scoundrels at the Ninja Fat Pigeons, Big Red Potion welcomes back the man whose name I always mispronounce. Zantiriad. Is that right? That's it. Ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> well, it is a made-up name, so I'll let you off. But, yeah, okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I try. I try. And uh, last but not least, as a special guest representing the rest of the world, a writer for TGR as well as the UK's reviews editor for The Portable Gamer and Games Are Evil, Jennifer Allen. How's it going, Jen? You're using a rock band mic, right? <laughs> yeah, my mic decided to die about five minutes before turning this on. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has claimed two victims already. It's great. Yeah. I do keep having the urge to sing rather than speak. <laughs> feel free, feel free. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, let's get down to business, ladies and gents. Last time, the UGN VIPs decided that Super Mario 64 was the greatest Mario game of all time. Today, we attempt to answer an even bigger question, one that I fear we will never be able to top in future of these UGN bashcasts, and that is, what is the greatest console to ever exist? Ooh... All right, so we're going to start this tussle by going around the pod. I want each of you to state your choice and give a brief explanation as to why you picked it. I ask that no other guests question these choices at this time, though comments such as, oh, my God, really, are acceptable. Once everyone is given their choice, it will officially be on, and the clock will begin ticking, as after 60 minutes of back-and-forth blabbing, we will cast a vote and decide definitively which console is the greatest that the world has ever seen. Okay, so... To start this verbal tussle, I start with you, Sinan. Which console do you think is the greatest of all time? I'm going to say the Super Nintendo. Oh, wow. Okay. Fly? You know, I went through a whole list of consoles trying to get to a, a good answer for this, and I, 
what it came down to is which one am I having the most fun with, and oddly enough, that is this current gen console, so I'm going with the Xbox 360. Wow. Rato? Yeah, I had to uh, I had to go through a long process. I eliminated all the consoles that I've sold over the years because that suggested to me that even though I consider each one a child, those were ones I was willing to let go into mm. slavery or someone else's car boot or something. Um, but I still own 11 or 12 consoles. It was hard. And, uh, and I may surprise some people who've heard me banging on on Gamerdork about the classics because I too am saying the Xbox 360. Wow. Excellent choice. Okay. <laughs> Already we see sides forming. Dan? Well, I've, I've found this really difficult as well. And uh, as Ratso knows, I'm a bit of a collector and I've got 29 nine of the damn things that I was sort of <laughs> running through trying to decide which one it was. And I, I tried scientific methods. I tried using evil Metacritic. I tried everything. And in the end, I've got no choice but to choose the Nintendo DS. Ooh. Wow. Jen? Mm. I I also had as much trouble, but I went with my heart, which is the first thing I thought of, and it was the PlayStation 1. Wow. Okay. All right, so let's go to you, Jen. Why the PlayStation 1 out of all the systems that have come out since then, out of all the advancements in like technology and the way that certain PS1 games look now? What makes the PS1 the greatest console of all time? The games, pretty much. Okay. Uh, I mean, it has things like Final Fantasy VII, which... I go on and on about quite happily to anybody. Um, there's also Gran Turismo, Tekken, uh, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Silent Hill. It's just where all the greats started, if you ask me. Well, a lot of greats. Sure. Okay. All right. Now, Zan, you picked a portable console as your favorite of all time. You want to uh, talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah. I, as I said, I I tried to do this fairly scientifically, which is probably not the best way to do it um i tried not to let my heart rule my head um and in, t- well, in terms of the console that had the most uh, greatest games of all time then that would have actually been the playstation 2 scientifically if we go by the evil metacritic but i felt that um i needed to go for something which really um has brought gaming to the masses brought gaming to everyone um regardless of age color creed race, nationality, sex, uh, and that left me with two choices, really. One was the Game Boy and one was the Nintendo DS. Both have sold astronomical numbers, and um, if you were to ask a stranger on the street, do you, do you have a Nintendo DS in your house, I think you'll probably find a good three-quarters of them would say yes. Zan's choice is actually my third choice, the Nintendo DS, and uh, he alluded to my second choice, the PlayStation 2. Um, I chose the Super Nintendo above those two because I think that um, the Nintendo DS and the PlayStation 2 had an easier ride of things in terms of its competitors. Like the, especially the PlayStation 2, like it just didn't really have much in the way of competition from from the Xbox and I guess you could say from the Dreamcast and the, the GameCube. And then uh, the Nintendo DS has only had the PS2, which has had so many problems, whereas the Super Nintendo was up against the Sega Mega Drive, and I think that's probably the most hotly contested of all the sort of console wars we've ever had. And it came out top. And you know, I think uh, that's that in itself is, is, makes it worth mentioning in this in this conversation. But I think there is there is a lot to it beyond that as well. The fact it's underdog status almost influences you into to say that that should in fact be considered it. Um, is it also? 
I mean, obviously, the Super Nintendo came out at a time of both of our lives, since we're the same age, that, um, you know, when gaming was really hitting its, its stride. Do you think that... Uh, I mean, do you think that its library was that much better than what was else was out at the time, or do you think it was more just the whole Nintendo uh, aura around it? It's difficult to say. I, I, the other reason why I chose it, I guess, to answer your question is because I think it had some really important titles mm. in terms of gaming. Like when you when you think about the Nintendo core franchises on that system, they were all really important for each of those series. It's like Super Mario World was probably the, the, the definitive 2D version of, of Mario. Um, Link to the Past was the one that really took the series forward, you know, with its uh, world-changing mechanic. Super Metroid is still regarded as one of the best platformers. Then it, and things like it introduced F-Zero and Starling. Um, then you had Donkey Kong Country. That you just When you go through all the, sort of, the, the, the core Nintendo franchises that were around at that time, they are some of the best iterations for each one of them. Mm. I think that's a huge part of why the Super Nintendo is, is one of the most loved consoles. Okay. All right, now we have two guys here that chose a more current choice for their, their particular uh, option. Let's uh, fly. Why did you pick the Xbox 360? Well, <clears throat> when I went through the list, I actually made a list of my, my kind of console history because I thought for sure you were going to ask me and I didn't want to <laughs> stutter and fumble the whole way through. Go for it. And, uh, well, my list is fairly short. I mean, I some of you guys currently own more consoles than I think I've ever owned. Um, but when I go through there, I think, and I have a lot of fond memories of them. You know, I mean, you could say Atari 2600. I was very, very young when that came out. ColecoVision I, was one of the earliest memories I had. But that doesn't necessarily make it a great console. Talk about the Super Nintendo or the PlayStation 2, which was my, my second choice. I mean, it's hard for me to say, you know, this is the... The, in terms of, say, the PlayStation 2, that, that had so many titles, it sold so many units, but did I have the most fun with it? Not to say I didn't have fun. I certainly had a good time, and I enjoyed all the games and everything, but when I compare it to the Xbox 360, which is the one I picked, uh, i got to say I have more fun with the Xbox 360 because of all the extra stuff that it does. Um, I, I, and maybe this might be a little stuck up, but HD gaming, for me, has changed everything. I mean, it's just so much nicer to play in an HD set in an HD environment. I, I just love it. Uh, Xbox Live, being able to connect with your friends and all that, added so much more to it. Before, it was just the games. You, know, you had the game, and the game was the experience, and that was great. But now when you look at, for me, something like Halo, I think, now this is an awesome game, and I love playing it. In the past, that would have been it. I played it, I would have been done. Now I have Xbox Live. I can play with all my friends. I can chat. You know, you throw in stuff like wireless controllers and different things like that, and I just think, enjoyment-wise, I'm just having a much better time with, with this generation, and in particular, the Xbox 360. So a lot of the external things to the gaming, the, the little extras that the Xbox has provided is kind of why you, you chose it. The, uh, the ability to go online, check out what your friends are doing, the connectivity things, the downloading things, that stuff has added enough to you to the gaming aspects of the Xbox that that almost makes it want to be your favorite. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, like you said, you could have a game console and it brings enjoyment and happiness. I mean, I certainly had a great time with, with say, my, my Super Nintendo or something, but, but that was kind of it. I felt like it was a more solitary experience, and while it was good, I don't think it compares at all to, to what I'm doing now and the things I can do now um, in terms of both playing games and playing games with friends and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Now, Ratso, you also picked the Xbox 360. Mm. Was it for similar reasons, or do you have your own ulterior motive? Pretty similar. Obviously, 
as I say, I'm sort of known as an advocate of retro stuff, and I'm going to find it very hard to really argue strongly against consoles like the SNES because, you know, I, they, I have them uh, in a very dear place as well. But um, the 360 is the one that when I thought about, right, if, if somebody came by and said I could only keep one console in forever and in perpetuity, uh, it would that would be the one that I'd keep, um, which suggests that it must be the best. Um, I think due to its success, its library is much more than just the the sort of FPS and third-person shooters with Space Marines that it's sort of the demographic that it's associated with um, because, you know, it's attracted a lot of developers who've tried a lot of different things. And, and one thing for me that really can't be underestimated, and, uh, and this, this isn't backwards compatibility, but it is the download service. It has the best download service um, on which in which uh, all eras of gaming uh, are represented. Now, obviously, you won't find any uh, Nintendo titles in there, but you will find uh, arcades represented, 8-bit era represented, NES, Mega Drive, Amiga, Dreamcast, uh, and, and other systems. So you kind of, with XBLA, you're getting a kind of history of, of consoles as well, and some really top titles from various, uh, from the annals of gaming. And in, in, in the retail arena, you, there's, you know, there's just a huge amount to choose from. A lot of it's very cheap as well, uh, which, which obviously helps. It makes it quite affordable to, to get on, even though the hardware might not be reliable. It's, it's not, um, it's not expensive to, uh, replace. And obviously there's the, the, the free repair system for three years anyway. Hmm. Um, exactly as Fly was saying, the integrated comms, it's far better than any, anyone else has done it or, uh, or currently does it. Um, despite the fact that you have to pay your £40 a year for it, or, or how many dollars it is, um, which, uh, you know, it, in an ideal world, it would be advertising subsidised, and I think Microsoft, it would be nice if they looked at that, but I think you do get value for money, especially when you factor in, you get some free stuff with the 360 as well, like from, from Hexic HD, which comes on your hard drive, which is a decent puzzle game by the man who designed Tetris, to uh, 1 versus 100, and sometimes they even give away the odd live arcade game such as uh, Undertow or Carcassonne, and even the awesome Doritos Dash of Destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure we've all played at some point in our lives. Um, okay, so there's a very clear divide here between, um, obviously, Fly and Razzo, and, uh, and Zen, to, for the most part, have chosen current-gen consoles that they, they currently play on and that have a, a big impact in the current marketplace, whereas uh, Sanan and Jen have chosen more legacy consoles, consoles that at some point in their lives, have had a big impact on them, and that still to this day um, have an emotional resonance. Um, I'll ask you guys first, uh, Jen and Sedan. So, I mean, you both own all the current-gen consoles, if, if I'm not mistaken. So what is it about these retro consoles to you that, that makes them stand out above what you can get now? Is it the, the memories, or is it just the fact that gaming was different back then, and what they provided to you at that point in your life was, you know, was different than what you get now? I think with me, it's a huge amount of it is just for fun, really. I mean, it sounds wrong, but I'm actually a pretty anti-social gamer. <laughs> so as much as, as much as I like multiplayer options, and I love my 360 and my PS3, I like a strong single-player storyline um, for a lot of games, which things like Metal Gear Solid and Silent Hill provided so much. I mean, Silent Hill scared the life out of me as a kid, but they're all good memories. Sure. <laughs> um, so it's just really the games for the most part. As much as I like all the media center abilities and stuff for the latest generation, 
I just like being able to sit down and play a game, nice and simple, no need to install, no need to wait for updates to download, anything like that, really. I, I think from my point of view, like I, I'm not going to lie, there is an element of subjectivity to it. Like When I got into gaming properly, it was probably around the Super Nintendo era. You know, I think I just had an Amiga before I got my Super Nintendo. And uh, I, I really enjoyed my Amiga, but it was a Super Nintendo that provided me a love for gaming. But I, I tried to, when I thought about answering this question, look at it both subjectively and as objectively as possible. And just for me, trying to avoid thinking of what's the best now, because obviously I don't play my Super Nintendo that much now. Um, for one, well, like I don't play my Super Nintendo, it's broken, but I don't play SNES games that much now. I, I play on my 360 and PS3, but I'm, I'm trying to think for its time. You know, how how good was it for its time? And, you know, this is the, the problem we had with the Super Mario argument, because I think James came from... Uh, he, he he voted for Super Mario Galaxy, saying that it was the best Mario game because simply it was the most refined Mario game. But we all eventually came down to agreeing that it wasn't about being the most refined, you know, with all the improving over the years. It was about what was the most impactful and special at its time. That's why we chose Super Mario 64, and I think that's why I'm choosing the SNES, because what it did at, at its time was so significant for Nintendo's fortunes. Uh, I, I know everyone plays the SNES as, as the console that really made Nintendo, but the SNES was the one that had the, the, the burden of having to continue that, having to try and make that uh, work and keep going forward with it. And uh, it, was, it could have easily been a flop after the SNES, but it was just the perfect successor in every single way. I was just going to counter that slightly because the SNES wasn't a huge success, um, particularly in Europe. It, it actually was knocked back into third place for many years. I think sometimes when we look back at that, that period, we sometimes get a slightly skewed perspective because so much of the media we consume is, it comes from the US, where obviously the Super Nintendo was almost all, all concrete, um, after the, the sort of, uh, the Genesis sort of, started to drift away, but certainly in Europe it, 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 it was third behind the, uh, the, the Mega Drive Genesis and, and the Amiga at the time, so it took it nearly six years before it, it actually was the top-selling console, and by that time the PlayStation 1 came along. Um, and I know, just giving you a bit of anecdotal evidence of that, because I'm a collector, um, I've built up my SNES collection in later years, um, and it was always really difficult to get hold of decent quality SNES hardware or SNES uh, cartridges because they just there just isn't the supply there just isn't the number of units that were sold in the UK and Europe to to facilitate that. Whereas if I I was to buy Mega Drive cartridges, they're tuppence because there's just thousands, hundreds of thousands of them. So it wasn't the massive success. You know, sometimes we look back and actually it wasn't a huge success worldwide. Um, it was in the US. It wasn't until later they did better in Europe. So. Um, I, you know, I've, again, I've gone for, when I was looking through the, you know, the, the sort of all the consoles I've had, you know, the, the, what, for me, the console that means the most to, to me personally is the, the N64. And I, for various reasons, I think actually that, that system carried probably the, the two or three most important games ever made. But having said that, again, it didn't have that market penetration and it didn't bring gaming to the masses like the Game Boy and subsequently the DS have done. And just to put that into perspective, um, the DS has sold almost as many units as the Game Boy and Game Boy Color together, and it's done it in half the time. The Game Boy and Game Boy Color sold 120 million units in 10 years, 
and the DS has sold 110 million units in just four and a half, five years. So it's the level of ownership and the level of acceptance of the DS is second to none. In addition, I think the DS carries the, the largest variety of gaming on, of any platform. You know, whatever you like, you'll find it on that console, whether it's doing maths puzzles on the train on the way to work or whether it's a, a real in-depth, complicated, fulfilling Japanese RPG, you'll find whatever you're looking for on that, on that console. The, the variety is huge, and the level of innovation on the, on the DS, again, is second to none. I, I can remember when the DS launched, and it launched just after the PSP, um, in, certainly in Europe it did, and everyone sort of looked at it and laughed, because they'd seen what Sony had produced, and they looked at this thing which bizarrely had two screens. No one can understand why it would need a touch screen. Why were they trying to make it a palm? Um, but look what, what they've done with it. Look what um, not just first party Nintendo, but third parties have managed to squeeze out of that little machine and, and through that user interface. They really have, I think, democratised gaming in a way that nothing did before and nothing is probably going to do afterwards either. I think um, the uh, the DS did actually just beat the PSP out in Europe by a couple of months. I think it was like maybe March to July or something like that. But but the point remains. Um, I think one thing you do, uh, one thing bringing up there about the the SNES is uh, is something that could be thrown into the pot for for the whole debate, which is talking about um, actually which region of console is best to own because it would have clearly been better to have uh, an NTSC. SNES over a or a Super Famicom over over a PAL SNES partly because you were getting superior games that ran at full speed and, and, and in full screen as opposed to the bordered and slower versions we often got over here uh, and it, it's much the same with the PS1 as well um, to have a, a as I've got a region unlocked PS1 opens up a world of interesting uh, games um, that you know expands the library massively. Lots of things that only came out in Japan and/or America to us Europeans, um, and not to mention the fact that loads of the the PS1 games we got over here were fairly butchered in terms of power conversion. I mean, it's tough to really narrow these things down because I mean, like even if you look at, I mean, the US gets pretty much everything when it comes to most of these consoles, yet if you look at what Japan gets that we don't get, like all these weird little wacky things. Like I remember during the Dreamcast era, I mean. There were so many gems on that system that never left Japan. And it almost forced like us Dreamcast owners to get either a Japanese Xbox or get a mod boot disc that could play these games because we were missing out on so many experiences that they were having over there. I mean, um, and yeah, I, I, I understand that PAL got the short end of the stick on some of these things, but um, when looking as a whole, not even like just considering everything, considering, yes, I mean, if you technically had uh, access to every game from every you know, region on these things. It's clear that, uh, you know, Zan, you talked about sales, how the DS uh, penetrated into pretty much every group and sold through to everybody and made people into new gamers and stuff like that. And uh, Fly and uh, Ratso, you guys talked about technology and all the advances that the Xbox can bring to the thing. And then Jen and Sinan talked about how their retro feelings kind of, at their time, made those systems the best ever. It's clear that we all think of different things when we consider what would be the greatest in our own eyes. And I think it's kind of tough to pick a single winner based on the fact that we all kind of have different feelings. I know mine are different from all of you, the way you're feeling right now. So just looking uh, at, from the library standpoint, from the games that you could actually play on these platforms, what do you guys think? Do you think that, like uh, Fly and Ratso, do you guys think that the Xbox's library would stand up against some of these legacy platforms that these guys are talking about? 
I would I would definitely say so. I mean, maybe not in terms of uh, innovation, only because a lot of what we see, at least recently anyway, is a lot of sequels. You know, we're up to, to Halo 3, Gears of War 2, stuff like that. I haven't seen that many games that kind of stand out as, as this is something I'm going to remember forever. Um, but at the same time, the iterations that they've made have gotten better every time. And I, I mean, and I may be kind of weird, but I would rather play a, a current gen Halo 3 or something like that than go back and play any of the previous Super Mario's. And that's just, just how I am. You know, I, and I remember them. I, re, I remember them fondly. But if I were to go back and play them, I have a, I have a sneaking feeling that they would diminish somewhat my eyes, that it just would not be the same game that I remember, you know. But hang on, let's talk 10 years in the future. Do you think you're going to be coming back to 360 titles in the same way? No, I don't. (laughs) I don't think I will, but hopefully in 10 years you do another show like this, and I'll probably pick whatever (laughs) that company is at that time. It's, uh, it's hard. For, for, I'm more in the, the camp, as, as we discussed on, on the show, the Game Adult show with Big Red Potion. I try not to see aging games. Uh, um, and, well, in fact, almost it's like my, my mind doesn't allow me to, so I certainly wouldn't want to be without particularly all the Nintendo uh, first-party stuff. It, it, would be, it would be an unpleasant world where I, couldn't, I didn't have access to all the, all the old Marios. But as I say when it comes down to it and thinking about the one console that I'd want to keep if I could only keep one, it just kept coming back to the 360. And, and although I'd be sad to lose out on, on those things, and it would be hard for me to argue strongly against uh, most of the Nintendo consoles as, as a contender to win this battle, um, I, you know, I'd, I'd regrettably have to say that overall, with, when all taken into consideration, the, the 360 would, um, would just pip it. I think it's where all the subjectivity comes into it, because as much as I love my 360, I'd still, if I could only have one console, I would have a PlayStation 1, which might look weird considering the amount I play the 360, but I'd just be happy with the PlayStation 1 games. See, I I don't think I could do it. I remember PlayStation 1, I I enjoyed it, but I think if I went back to it and played it now, I, I would find myself getting kind of bored with it fairly quick. And, it, and, you know, it's not really fair because it's more my own personal limited ability to pay attention <laughs> for extended periods of time. But I don't know. It just feels, now that I've seen this, it feels like anything else just can't compare anymore to me. Yeah, I would have thought that with me as well. But lately I've been downloading on the PlayStation Store uh, Final Fantasy VII, Sukkoden, and Crash Bandicoot. And they are actually keeping my attention as much as they used to, which pretty impressive going. So admittedly, I did think that I'd look at the graphics and think that's terrible. But then again, I know other people that play them and go, nah, I'd rather leave them in the past. So, I suppose we... I'm very surprised.
surprising thing is that we're nobody's. I, I, I thought we might have a, a, an amusing situation where because we, we kept all our choices uh, secret, we'd have all just come out with the same one. Um, but I thought if, if that had happened, it probably would have been the PS2, and yet the PS2 isn't represented at all. Yeah, it's funny you say that because just as listening to all of you, listening to Zan's point about sales and penetration, and then listening to uh, Joe talk about the library, and then listening to Jen talk about the graphics on the PlayStation 1, I find myself leaning more towards my second choice, just listening to all the guys, which was the PlayStation 2, in that it, it had huge sales. It was incredibly popular. Its library of titles is, I think, by far the best and most fast for any system. Like You just think of all the great PS2 titles, and uh, we don't have a long enough podcast to, to waffle on about them. And, and the thing about PlayStation 2, in terms of coming back to it, it's it had something which PlayStation didn't. Like, with its visuals, it was just neater. There there was a style to it. The PlayStation really showed that it was the first sort of 3D, not the first 3D system, but that it was in the beginnings of, of, the, of you know, 3D gaming. And uh, that's why I went to the Super Nintendo as one, as one of my choices, as my original choice, because it, it had a neatness about it, which the NES didn't really. The NES had very bitty graphics, whereas the Super Nintendo just... Started, especially things like Super Mario World has a re- there's a really beautiful style about Super Mario World uh, and, and a link to the past as well but the PlayStation 2 just so many actually visually stunning games you know far ahead of its time um, so many great titles I, I'm starting to think maybe I'm going to switch my choice <laughs> over to that and the only thing again I'll counter to that is it took them many many years actually to crack the PS2 um, I remember in the first sort of year a lot of development studios were complaining that it was too difficult to program for and they were having real trouble getting anything out of the hardware, and it took probably <laughs> two, yeah, took two, <laughs> two and a half years. I mean, I know I've looked at things like the the architecture of these these machines, and and the both the PlayStation Two and and the PS3 is even worse actually has horrifically complex architecture, and that's what a lot of the developers really struggled. And it wasn't until um, Sony started providing them with optimized dev kits that they were actually able to start getting some of the power out of the PS2. Uh, and um, in those early years, the um, I think that's actually why the Dreamcast probably had that little sort of um, two or eighteen month, two year burn twice as bright, but die even quicker because at the time it just looked a lot better than the PS2 did when it came out. And that's because they weren't able to optimize the hardware until a little bit later. But I, I kind of back you up uh, on your points, in end because like I said trying to do it scientifically and using Metacritic, it's quite clear that the uh, PS2 has got the largest number of titles that score above 90. I know Metacritic's evil and we shouldn't really use it, but it's quite useful for for, for these, you know, sort of base measures. Um, but then when you look at that list, uh, just to tell you, there's 16, 69 titles that scored 90% or higher. A lot of them are sequels of each other. I think there's about seven different winning 11s in there. So <laughs> if you actually strip out all the sequels, there probably is only about half a dozen real standout yeah. world-class titles. Whereas there's a lot of... Think, yeah, go Sorry, on. I was going to say there's a lot of Maddens and Tony Hawks in there as well, I There's think. a lot of Maddens, Tony Hawks, there's three Grand, Th- Grand Theft Autos, which are all essentially the same game, really, but good as they were. There's two God of Wars, there's, like, loads of winning 11s. Um, if you look at something, le- more, something sort of left-field, like the GameCube, the GameCube actually had a lot more, you know, actually had a, a lot of really good titles, a lot of really good seminal titles that were all unique, that weren't all sequels. So uh, it's, it's, it's a difficult one to judge, but I think based on sales and based on its massive library, which its 10-year life has given it, 
then obviously the PS2 is, is a very strong contender. Well, I think I think the counter for that is that uh, there is a reason why there are all those sequels because it, it it's the most long-standing, long-running console. Yeah, you know, uh, it's still a, a, co- a console that's in this generation. There are still games being released for the PlayStation 2. That's incredible. No other console has done anything close to that. Um, well, there, there is one. The Game Boy did. The Game Boy lasted. Um, I, I thought someone might mention the Game Boy, actually. Yeah, it was my number two. Oh. Um, the, game, the Game Boy lasted nearly 14 years. Um, 11 years on its own, and then three more years um, when the GBA came out. So, um, yeah, the, the Game Boy is, I would say, equal to the PS2 in terms of sales and, and in terms of uh, longevity, anyway. Well, the PlayStation 1 was produced for about 11 years, I think, so it still lasted a long while. And um, from things I looked up, it sold 125 million units. So it's certainly getting up there. <laughs> Another flaw, about, uh, flaw with using Metacritic, um, and, you know, not, not uh, I sort of agree with Zan that we shouldn't use it and it's evil, but also it's very useful, um, it doesn't go back far enough to, to uh, it, it, a Metacritic only starts with the PS1 so we can't really measure using because we don't know how many uh, SNES, Mega Drive Atari 2600 etc etc games would have got over 90% back in the day so it's a shame but uh, you'd have to go on game rankings and do it manually I think yeah I, I tried that but <laughs> a lot of the game rankings data is a bit flawed because there's only one review yes. for a lot of stuff so yeah that's true I, I have a question for the for the two guys who chose a 360, how can you vote for a console that was released broken? <laughs> you, you know, the funny thing about that that 360, and I, and I don't want to make it sound like I'm excusing anything that, that happened or that, because I, I think it was atrocious that, that they were able to get basically get away with it, and I think they have gotten away with it, uh, partially just by bullying people uh, and partially because they did, come back around and, and introduce that, that warranty program and things like that. But I honestly think if you were to, to walk around town and ask people, you could take a poll of 100 people, and I bet you 90 of them would know about the problems with the Xbox 360, and 99 of them would buy one anyway. And and to me, that says, you know, okay, while I don't agree with how they did it and what happened with it, it, it just goes to show what a good system it, it is, despite the flaws. I, I can only imagine if it wasn't such a mess w- with the red rings and whatnot, how how much higher people would think of it than they already do. So, mm. I don't know. That's a, that's a really good point. And my my rebuttal to that is, firstly, uh, you could just as easily level that at the uh, the PS One because <laughs> they they, they did not last at all. Um, normally, within weeks, the FMV was skipping, and and you'd be getting disc errors. The PS Two had also tons of similar problems. PS3, no one's gone for it, but even that has a, a yellow light of doom thing that's uh, been featured on Watchdog recently. Um, the Wii, obviously, no one's gone for that. That's got a graphics card that falls off and various things like that. Um, <laughs> even, yeah, <laughs> even Porsches and Ferraris need servicing and breakdown, but no one would deny that they're, they're the best cars, you know. Yeah, but no one releases a Ferrari without a gearbox. I mean, the, <laughs> the problem with 360 was ridiculous. Uh, I, I, I think... It's safe to say that most 360 owners have experienced a red ring of death in their time, and that is oh, atrocious. Yeah, I mean, Nintendo hardware is always going to win a, a durability war, because um, up until this gen, when obviously things got more flaky, um, Nintendo hardware was fairly much indestructible. 
I mean, yeah, you look at DSs. I mean, I, I see sort of four-year-old kids with DSs sort of chuck them on the floor and sitting on them and spilling drinks over them, and they still work. They still keep on going, you know. Mm. Oh, the DS needs to meet my cousin, I think. It wouldn't last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's the same is true for, for the Game Boy as well. I think Nintendo, have, have, you know, like you said, they've always built really resilient uh, hardware. I mean, my I've got... Well, I'm not ashamed to say because I love it, but I've got four N64s because I, I bought all the different colour ones. Um, and they all, apart from, the only thing that used to go on those is the power pack, but other than that, they all work perfectly. Um, yeah. I know that some of the controllers, the sticks used to go, but the, they, again, you know, I, I think actually that's the most solidly built console of them all. Um, it's yeah. absolutely rock solid. I mean, to talk about faulty Nintendo consoles, I think the one that we've all had problems with at some point in our lives was the original NES which, I mean, mine, I had to blow in it, stick my finger into the thing, push it down a certain way, and then turn it upside down to get it to actually play Punch-Out for more than five minutes. Uh, what do you guys think about the original NES console? I, I, that would have been on my top five list. That was actually one of the ones I was considering picking. Um, does this hold a special place in anyone's heart, or is it just too dated now to even think about? Being European, it really wasn't a very big deal over here at really? all. I've only played. No, it was massive in the states. You know, it was like one in every three homes or something crazy. Sure. Um, but over here, it. I mean, it was. It was launched about five years later over here, or something like that. Um, wasn't distributed terribly well. Um, probably overpriced. Um, and it was at the time when we, we weren't that far away from, uh, well, Amigas were already around and they were far superior technically. Uh, and people were moving from, from the, uh, yeah, from maybe their Commodore 64s up to the Amiga and ST rather than, rather than the NES. So my experience of NES comes from playing the, uh, ROMs available at Animal Crossing and, uh, on the virtual console. Um, and, uh, you know, some of the games do hold up, but generally there were better iterations on the SNES of, of most things, so not for me. I think, um, I think for a lot of us, a lot of the really good uh, NES titles actually made their way onto the Game Boy Advance. That's certainly where I've played most of them. Mm. Um, yeah, that seemed to be the home for re-released NES material. Um, I think there's some, there's some cracking games in there, and, and obviously it's, you know, it's the original home of, of, of Link and, and Mario, so uh, yeah, I think it's important in terms of history, but I, I'm not so sure it's it's the strongest contender. Yeah, I was going to agree with that. I, was, I think the NES, you can't really underestimate its position in uh, gaming history, but I think it's something that's maybe best left in the past, just to look at and um, admire what it's accomplished, but stick with the Super Nintendo to actually play. Okay, wow. That's a much different thing in Europe than there was in the US, because I'm sure as Fly would attest, uh, the NES was quite the force to be reckoned with about 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, it's the first. I, I remember playing other consoles, the Atari and, and ColecoVision is probably my earliest memory. But I mean, that was I was like seven. Mm-hmm. So the very first console that I remember actually looking forward to play a game rather than just push buttons and watch the screen w- was the Nintendo. So that that was probably the first real console that I can remember. Yeah, and I, I don't think I would be in the position I am right now if it wasn't for the original NES because we didn't have Amigas and stuff over here really taking over everyone's homes. Um, on a similar note, the Dreamcast, uh, Zan mentioned that real quick, uh, said it burned out a little too fast despite how bright it shone. Uh, what do you guys think about that system? I mean, so many original crazy titles came out on that thing in such a short amount of time, and I know... Uh, 
I mean, at least here in the U.S., uh, a lot of hardcore gamers really did jump into it and enjoy everything that was on there. And, and so many of those games have kind of come back over the years on the Wii and on the Xbox and even on the PS2 for, for the most part. I mean, Sega has been uh, sadly you know, underrepresented here on this show so far. Uh, yeah, bring the Mega Drive into this also. What do you guys think of the Mega Drive and the Dreamcast? I mean, it, both of those systems had... I mean, Sega kind of tried to take on the big dog with all guns blazing in both of those cases, and in one of them it, it succeeded pretty well, and the other it, it failed miserably um, for various reasons. But what do you think of Sega's contributions to the history of games? Do you think that uh, the Dreamcast and the Genesis are worth even talking about, or were they kind of just overrated? And the Saturn. Yeah, similar to the Saturn. <laughs> I love the Saturn, but not many people really owned one, so I don't really uh, I didn't want to mention it. But go ahead. I was going to say, well, actually, Joe, I'll pitch it to you. I know you're not a, um, you know, you're just the host, but why do you think the Saturn failed? Well, I mean, the Saturn came out over here for, I believe, $499, which is what the, the cheaper PS3 came out, uh, the 20 gig PS3 came out for over here. And, I mean, everyone saw the reaction to the PS3 pricing when it was announced. And imagine that same pricing a decade earlier is pretty much the reaction that the Saturn got. Um, I mean, I was, I loved my Genesis, I bought a Sega CD, I bought a 32X, I, uh, I was a very big Sega fanboy back then, I loved everything that they were doing, I loved the, the differences between Sega and Nintendo, and I liked the, the edge that Sega had in, in certain ways, and I actually neglected a bunch of big Super Nintendo titles because I was so busy playing, you know, Double Switch on the Sega CD and Sewer Shark and stuff, but, um... But when the Saturn came out, I was all for it. I got it day one. I, w- I was set. I was playing Daytona and Virtua Fighter and enjoying the hell out of it. But, you know, and I, I did buy a PlayStation like a year later. But, I mean, you know, as I'm playing these wonderful Sega arcade games, I I realized that, you know, A, no one that I talked to was even interested in a Saturn because they saw what the PlayStation was going to have and they saw all these, these like Ridge Racer and Tekken and all these crazy things that they played in the arcade. And for that, for them, that was a much more interesting uh, thing to go for. For that, the cheaper and better looking and uh, newer PlayStation was the thing that interested them. And as they all bought PlayStations and I continued to play my Saturn, I found out that, you know, the I guess the the more mainstreamish PlayStation experience was the one that everyone was going to go for, and I realized pretty much right away that I was on a sinking ship. But um, even though some of the greatest games of that generation came out on the Saturn, uh, I, I can see perfectly why it failed. Because in the same way as the Dreamcast, they tried to do something different than what I guess everyone really wanted. They tried to do what they wanted to do, and unfortunately, no one really jumped on board. You can uh, you can pretty much rule out the Mega Drive as, as a, a serious contender for this competition because you can play forty uh, something of its finest games on a on a very decent emulated com- uh, compilation yeah. as well as some others on on XBLA and things. The Saturn, well, I mean, European uh, owners would absolutely balk at the idea of including it, but as a, the very proud owner of a multi-region Saturn, um, it, it is actually one of my favourite consoles of all time, if you include all the Japanese stuff, but it would be very hard to make a serious case for it as the greatest console of all time. The Dreamcast, in a way, suffers the same thing as the Mega Drive, in that most of it's really, really top-quality games, the things that people would say, well, you you know, this is one of the best games on the Dreamcast. They're available elsewhere now. Ikaruga and Res are on XBLA. You can get Space Channel 5 on the PS2, um, Metropolis Re- Street Racer was sequeled on in Project Gotham, um, House of the Dead 2 and 3 are available on the Wii, and so on and so on. So um, it doesn't have enough of its own kind of exclusives and classics to, to warrant winning the competition. 
I, I just yep. think with the, with the Dreamcast that, you know, it's impossible to vote for a console that just was a complete commercial failure. Uh, I know it's all 10 million copies, and it, it, you could argue that's not a total commercial failure, but to vote it as the great console, greatest console ever on, on that, no, I just can't. Well, again, um, it's, it's slightly different to that, isn't it? Because uh, it, it, it was selling reasonably well, and, and Sega sort of cut the umbilical cord, if you like, or, or stopped producing it, not because it wasn't selling as well as they hoped, but because they were absolutely broke. Um, mm. uh, you know, um, largely due to Shenmue, actually. I mean, that almost single-handedly destroyed the company. And also the fact that they, would, they were artificially propping the Dreamcast up. I mean, I, I love my Dreamcast, and I still, I still use it now. You know, and I think some of the the weird idiosyncratic things it had on it, like the you know the memory unit with the little screen on it, and everything that would were just brilliant. But they were also commercially daft because it made it very expensive to produce. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you know I think the thing that really killed it was the fact that they couldn't get any third party support, and that um, really they were outmaneuvered at the kind of boardroom level in terms of the software, and that was really what ended up with Sega make, taking that decision because they couldn't fund producing 48 games a year for it, which is what they were doing. I and mean, if you look at the uh, Dreamcast only around for about two, well, you know, as a, as a, a premier console, it was only around for about two years. But you look at the number of games that were published or uh, created by Sega, it's something like 70% of the games that came out of it. And it was mm-hmm. a ridiculous number. You know, I, I, I did look the other day when we had the anniversary, and it was, it was like 100 titles in a year published by Sega. I mean, they just couldn't carry on underpinning it that way without the third party support and I think that's really what killed it it was very clever ballroom shenanigans by the competition uh, I think that a lot of people like you know, Sinan you're saying that you can't vote for a, a, a financial failure as the greatest console of all time I think I mean even though it wouldn't be my choice I think a lot of people would say like the GameCube had an incredibly strong library despite, despite its failure at, at market I, I don't really think that you could say that you know a, a financially unviable console could be the, couldn't be the best because in a way it's not really about success it's more about what's on it I mean if the Dreamcast had you know the 10 best games of all time on it even though it only lasted a year I, I would vote for it as my favorite console okay to qualify that statement then I can't vote for a financially uh a console that was a financial failure because it there are definitely at least equals to it, if not better consoles than it that have had superb commercial success. So when the competition is so strong, I just it, it's a huge black box. UGN offers a little something for everyone, from the serious analysis of Big Red Potion to the fun but well-informed Gamerdog UK. Frugal Gaming will bring you gaming bargains to help keep your hobby alive, whilst Ninja Fat Pigeons offers one of the best and friendliest communities on the internet. And if you're one of us mature gamers, find like-minded comment with thegamerscene.com www.unifiedgamersnetworks.com
There's a battle of exports out a lot of stuff. What do you guys think about the current trends? Do you think that the... I mean, the Wii has had a sort of troubled history and, and, and has gotten a little attacked quite often for its certain amounts of its library, but it, Nintendo is putting out a lot of really unique, interesting software on there and, and bringing back a lot of the games that people have liked. And the same thing with the PS3. It's had a bit of trouble, but um, in the end, Sony has been putting out some really clever and ingenious games that have tried to push the technology more than you've seen on other consoles. Do you think that the Wii and the PS3 has a chance to get up to the level that the 360 is in, in, in some of our eyes, or do you think that it's kind of it's too little too late for those two? I think uh, I think the Wii is too little too late, in my opinion, anyway. The, three, or the PS3 certainly has a chance. I mean, every every software iteration they do, they get a little bit closer if they can just fine-tune things. I, I definitely see a, a point coming where the PS3 is is equal to the, to the Xbox in terms of what it does and what it can offer. And, it, and it's close now. Gaming-wise, I think it does fine. It's just some of the extra stuff that the, the 360 does. The Wii was actually, when I was trying to come up with my answer for this, I, I tried to look at it from a couple different ways, and one of the things I came up with was, you know, what what has done the most for gaming in general? And, and in that term... The Wii kind of stood out for me because while it is clearly not my console and I'm at this point completely over it and, and actually really annoyed with it now because everything seems to be waggle and they got to put some motion into everything. And, and to me, that's not what that machine uh, could have excelled at and could have done best. But in terms of moving the industry forward and getting more people into games and, and things like that. I got to say that the Wii did a, a, a lot for it. So it was tough, but in the end I decided to go with which one made me personally more happy. And that in which case the Wii is nowhere even in the top 10. So. I think, I think um, fly, you need to, you need to go back and look at the Wii again, because um, I think this year has probably been its, one of its strongest years so far. I, and and the the days of every game just sticking in waggle for the sake of it have have definitely gone. Um, and and if you look at some if you look at some of the the multi platform games that have come out this year, there's at least two or three where actually the best version is on the Wii. So certainly Tiger Woods, the best version is on the Wii, but yeah. without any shadow of a doubt, Guitar Hero oh, yeah. Five, the best version is on the Wii. Um, you know, this it's it's starting to I I think it's really starting to make an impact and. Um, there's been some absolutely brilliant games this year that have had superb control systems that do not result to waggle at all. Um, to a lesser extent, Little King Story, which is a great game, but you know it didn't use waggle at all. Um, the, the game that a lot of people have heard me talking about, Anno, um, which in the States is called something else. Uh, um, Dawn of Discovery. Dawn of Discovery, yeah, here it's called Anno Creator World. That is just sublime to play. I mean, the, the controls on that are the best controls I think I've ever used on any console. They are just so intuitive and so um, rewarding and, and uh, easy to use. You've, some of the WiiWare games, I think Ratso's tried quite mm. a few of these as well, and things like Orbion, which is a sensational game, and again, doesn't resort to waggle. So, you know, I think, I think actually the, the problem with the Wii is its, its image amongst enthusiast gamers was tarnished by some of the, the shite that was put out in the first year. But I think really developers now understand the Wii better. And they're actually, rather than just sticking Waggle in, they're actually making games, building it for the Wii for the, from the ground up. Things like Ghostbusters, Nano, and, and Little King Story are, are good examples of that that have come out this year. I, I would agree that there's more games that do a better job with it now than, say, versus last year. 
But at the same time, I think there's also more games that just do it worse. I mean, it, it, of all the games, when I go to the store and look at them, the, you know, the Xbox has got its little aisle and the PlayStation's got its aisle. And then the Wii has got one that's three times the size. And 98% of those games, I, I wouldn't even, I would, you couldn't pay me to play. Um, not to say that there aren't some good ones. I mean, you mentioned a bunch of good ones, and I have played good games on there. Uh, but I'm trying to, what was the shooter that just came out? That Troy I can't Clyde. think of that. Oh, oh, the um, conduit. Yeah, the conduit. You know, I come back to that, which by all rights was the was the best shooter I've seen done on the Wii, and I still don't really want to play it. I would rather play a shooter on the 360 or the PS3. So I, I think it's it's done a lot of good things, and it's doing some better things than it has in the past. But in terms of the other ones, I still look at it as, as more of a last-gen console than a current-gen, which for oh. me then puts it on par with the PS2, which is still a fine machine and, and still got games coming out for it and still selling a ton, but it's it, it's just not at the same level as, as the other two, for me anyway. Uh, whenever I heard Wii described as a last-gen console, I get furious. <laughs> it's not a last-gen console. It does things that the other current-gen consoles cannot do, so it's therefore not a last-gen console, unless the other current-gen consoles are also last-gen consoles. Um, but I think the thing about the, the, the propensity to have so many third-party titles that are of low quality in the system. I think that just shows how successful it is. And I know this is kind of shooting myself in the foot, but the PS2 had tons and tons of crappy third-party games. And that was just a sign of how good it was, how, how, import, you know, how important it was for publishers to produce their games on it, because it was so incredibly successful. I, I wouldn't vote for the Wii, but I wouldn't argue against someone else voting for the Wii, because I think there is a lot to be said for it. And I think Zan has made a very good point, but this year especially, there have been plenty of strong, innovative, and unique games on the way. And people are just, I, I get kind of annoyed when people resort to the same old criticisms against the system that keeps changing every year. Yeah, I know what you mean. I can't admit to being as educated in the Wii as I should be. Uh, having missed out on things like Little King's Story, which I really want to play soon. But I think with the argument of there being so many awful shovelware titles, that's a case of pretty much all the consoles. I mean, the DS is brilliant, but it has some absolutely abysmal games on it. The same with the PlayStation 1, um, PlayStation 2, and the 360. I mean, the 360's got Shock 2. It's always <laughs> going to suffer. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Go right up. Sorry, I was, I was going to say, I, I argued at length uh, on, on one of our podcasts just for the Wii to be recognised as a legitimate this-gen console, so I think the chances of uh, arguing for it to win the greatest console of all time are extremely slim, but, uh, <laughs> but all the points that have been made are absolutely true. Success will, breed, will always breed shovelware, um, and there are loads of really interesting and worthwhile games on the Wii, not least of which is Super Mario Galaxy, which is... Uh, an absolute masterpiece. Nintendo in their absolute pomp, doing what they do best. Arguably the best Mario game. Okay, that's for another show that you've already done. But uh, <laughs> it's certainly up there. And um, yeah, and it, I couldn't argue very strongly against a console that had, uh, has arguably the best version of Resident Evil 4 as well. But uh, but yeah, it ain't it ain't winning this. I don't think. <laughs> Partly because no one's put it forward. <laughs> Well, well, to bring it back to the, to, my, to the most important console, which is the one I chose, um, <laughs> to, you know, I, to the two guys who voted 360, I think the biggest argument against the 360 is that it hasn't completely overpowered the PlayStation 3. 
I think the PlayStation 3 has had so many troubles, probably more problems than any console, apart from maybe the Dreamcast and some of the Sega ones. <laughs> many <laughs> Sega ones, actually. Have had. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's had a, a litany, uh, uh, sorry, a, a, a huge library of problems over its time. And yet, the 360 has not managed to dominate it. And I think that says more for the PlayStation 2 than anything else. Because the reason the PlayStation 3 has survived is because of the PlayStation 2. How important it was, how successful the brand was, how the, the games that it had that have carried over to the system. The fact that, you know, people are still waiting for some PlayStation 2 titles to be carried over to PlayStation 3. That, that says more about how successful, how loved the PlayStation 2 was than anything else. I think the 360's lack, inability to dominate the, uh, technologically advanced current gen consoles, uh, just goes against it too much. I think you can trace that back. You might as well follow that back further and support Jen's console then because the success of the PS2 is largely based on the success of the PS1. Um, and and uh, the PS2 had a, had a slightly rocky road at the start with a terrible launch selection of titles and, and was adopted by in exactly the same way by eager young kind of uh, Sony fans um, expecting the earth um, promised things like the emotion engine and stuff and uh, in fact it was just another games console albeit you know a, a quite capable one um, so I think that actually supports Jen's argument more than well obviously it doesn't support yours because it's not your console but um, <laughs> I do tend to think that we're going to end up all voting for the PS2 <laughs> yeah I think we will <laughs> I, would, I, I would also say that I'm sorry go ahead Jen Oh, no, I was just going to say that I think a lot of it is down to Sony's marketing. They, I mean, with the PlayStation 1, they managed to make games look good for an older audience at a time when it was mainly seen as a kid's hobby, really. And then the PlayStation 2 reinforced that brilliantly with so many good games. And I think that's probably what's helped the PlayStation 3 carry on and not be defeated by the 360. They, they, they had a fair amount of luck on their side though because um, Generation X which is the generation that grew up with the first home computers and the first iteration of home consoles were hitting their early to mid 20s when the place, when the PS1 came out you know sort of I mean I'm sort of a young Generation X person I suppose at 36 and um, I think I was probably about 20 or 21 when the PlayStation maybe a bit older actually when the PlayStation 1 came out and so those adverts were really being pitched at people who had grown up with games you know I, I my first device was uh, the was Spectrum 48K which I got on my ninth birthday so you know and I, I was into gaming from that moment onwards so you know when they were running those campaigns targeting adults they were targeting the people like me that had grown up with it so they were almost preaching to the converted they were just making it cool for us that's that's the that was the that was the genius in what they did. And, and I, said that. I, I, sorry, I haven't said that. I bought an N64 and I was a Nintendo fanboy, so uh, <laughs> that's complete, and the opposite effect on me. I just thought, well, that looks like a load of old wank. I'm going to stick with my Nintendo. <laughs> I I would agree with Sinan that that a lot of the PS3, at least the early success of it, had to do a lot with the PS2, but also that I I don't think you can discount with that Blu-ray player did for it. Um, I think a lot of people bought that because early on that was the cheapest Blu-ray player that you could get. So there could very well be a good number of PlayStation 3s out there that aren't being used for a whole lot more than just playing Blu-rays. I think if you're going to compare them side by side right now, today, they're both pretty close, Xbox 360 and PS3. I mean, PS3 is certainly a, a very capable machine. 
uh, there's just some key differences enough for me to pick one over the other. But for the average consumer just looking for a for a games machine, there's a lot to be made for the PS3 and that Blu-ray player. Well, what I'd come to that is just looking at multi-platform sales. I, it's not a huge difference now. It, it's getting much, much closer. Uh, on, in some games, it's even one-to-one. Uh, so I, I'd argue that, yeah, you know, you're right. That certainly a lot of PS3 are being just used as Blu-ray players, but I think um, it's not that many. Uh, not enough to suggest that uh, it, it, it was the major reason for PS3s being bought. Um, and uh, just to qualify why I didn't choose PlayStation 1, like I said at the top of the show, it's just visual snobbery on my part. I just think the PlayStation 2 holds up a lot better visually than the PlayStation 1 does. You know, it's just snobbery about bitty graphics. And, uh, you know, going back to something like Final Fantasy 7, it just, you know, I can accept Final Fantasy 10 visually. Final Fantasy 7, I have to kind of doff my tolerance cap and just go, well, okay then. <laughs> yeah, of course, the, uh, we're talking about the uh, fly saying about the Blu-ray supporting the PS3, and that's absolutely true. And uh, people tend to forget that a lot of the PS2 success, particularly in Japan, was, was the DVD player. Seems, uh, seems incredible now, but um, there's huge evidence that people, particularly in Asia, but also in the West, um, were buying the PS2 as what was then quite a cheap um, DVD player. I think that's a fair point, but I, I, you know, I don't think you can hold it as, a, as anything against the PlayStation 2 that it had some clever features built on it that got it into the market, because like Zan said, there were so many top quality titles on it at the end of the day. So, however it got in there, it did the job once it was in there. Um, and I would, I would say, to go back on it, you know, the 360 aligned itself with uh, HD DVD, which really mm-hmm. worked out for it, so... Um, I think the, the the major weakness for the 360 is the fact it's not it hasn't penetrated Asia. It's not a worldwide, uh, you know, every market selling world console. Uh, whereas the Wii and to some extent PlayStation 3 are, you know. So I, I actually think if you're going to take one from the current gen of under the TV consoles, then um, I, I you know I think there's a stronger case for the other two than there is for the 360 simply because of that because it doesn't have the breadth. Uh, the worldwide appeal that the other two have, but, and that's what kind of brings me back round to what I always think is 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 the you know the the console type that's always forgotten when we have these discussions, and that's the one you hold in your hand. You know, <laughs> I think there's a lot of snobbery about you know when people think about consoles, it's always they think back to the thing that's sat under the TV. But you know the device you hold in your hand is just as valid, uh, and if not more so in terms of the number of games, the variety of games, the uh, level of innovation that's actually been brought about. I mean, the if you look back at the Game Boy, it's incredible to think the variety of games they were able to produce on that thing with it when it only had a D-pad and two buttons, you know, and and yet it, it had the full spectrum of games from, you know, your 2D platformers through to, you know, adventure games, RPGs, shooters, you know, everything you could possibly imagine, even Populous and SimCity made it onto the uh, the Game Boy. You know, so it's incredible what people were able to do with that device. And the same with the DS. I think the the you know we talked about control systems, but I think the the DS really does because of that the addition of the touch screen, um, which and, and the stylus, which at the time just seemed crazy, has actually meant that we've got something which is now not only has unique games, but is constantly pushing the boundaries as to what it can do. And, and a good example of that is, is what's coming out this month in, in Scribble Rules. You know, 
conceptually, I can't. I, I know it is coming out on the Wii eventually, but conceptually, that you cannot think of that working on any other device other than maybe an iPhone. You know, the the, the idea of having a, an on-screen keyboard, being able to produce, you know, uh, use your imagination almost to solve various puzzles is something which that device has given us, and it's not just that; it's given us so many other things before it as well. I can hear that says co-host screaming PC, PC, but uh, <laughs> Joe didn't allow us a PC, did you? No. No, I decided that the console that's been running for 20 plus years can't be included because it's just not there. PC game instead. I was anything that is Blizzard on it means that it can't be included. It's just not there at all. <laughs> So we've kind of gone roundabout to every single console except the Atari Jaguar, Virtual Boy, Game Gear. I'm looking around my living room now to see what else we've missed. 3DO. Um, but I think 3DO, we missed 3DO, <laughs> Sega CD, 32X, but um, CDI. No CDI left right now. So it's the one system I have never bought, but I wish to. I have not played the CDI. But anyway. Thunked. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, <laughs> we've gotten to pretty much every console that matters today. So I think it's about time now we go around the, the ring again and see what people, if anyone has been influenced by the discussion today or if everyone is sticking to their initial votes so that we can finally crown the king of all consoles. So, let's see, who should I go to first? Um, let's go to Fly. Did you stick with your Xbox 360 decision or have you been influenced? Uh, you know, I did. I, I, my second choice was the PS2 and I heard a lot of good stuff that kind of made me lean maybe a little bit more towards the PS2 than I originally had, but at the end, I, I think I still have to stick with the Xbox 360. I just enjoy it way too much. Okay. Dan? Um, well, I, I, well, I'm obviously still going to pick go with my first choice, but I think if we were to look at this objectively, then I, I think really the, the answer has to be the PS2. Despite its difficulties, it does have the strongest lineup of games, and it is still being sold today, all this time later. And uh, I think also it has some of the genre-defining games on it, like uh, God of War and, and uh, the Grand Theft Auto 3 onwards. You know, So I think in that respect, it takes its place in history. So, uh, yeah, second choice, PS2. Okay. Uh, Jen? Um, I'm pretty torn now. Uh, <laughs> I'm somewhere split between the PlayStation 1, the PlayStation 2... And the Super Nintendo, funny enough, cause, which were pretty much my top three choices uh, beforehand. And I was trying to decide which one I thought would be top. But I think I'm leaning towards the PS2 now. Ooh. Just because of the sheer quality of the games. It's a really close run battle between the PS1 and the PS2. Uh, okay, so can I have three... both? <laughs> <laughs> let's not start. Let's not open that book. We'll be here all night. Yeah. Um, PS2 it is. We have three different choices from the three people we picked so far. This is real good. Uh, okay, so Nan? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go PS2. Uh, I know I started off with Super Nintendo, and I am still a bit torn between the two, but if we're going to, I'm going to have to get a little bit tactical on this, and uh, I just can't let the 360 win. So, uh, <laughs> PS2. <for me>. Okay. <laughs> uh, Ratto? Yeah, this is really hard. I mean, like I said at the start, I, I could have made a strong case for probably any any one of, of the consoles that the other guys picked and some others as well, um, just as they probably could have. 
Um, I'm looking at kind of, uh, I'm, right now I'm looking at the stats of the number of games that make up my current games collection. And uh, out of the uh, 11 or 12 formats there, 50% of them are on Xbox 360. Um, wow. in, in, so on, on that alone, um, if you'd allowed backwards compatibility, it would, the answer would have been the 60 gig PlayStation 3 because you would have had the libraries of, of the, the three PlayStation generations. That would have been no contest. But as it is, even though it can't win, I'm going to stick with the 360. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I believe what Stan was alluding to was that I was probably going to pick the 360. And it was one of my top five choices, and it might still be my number one. Uh, my five were the NES, because at the time that it came out, it pretty much was the console that made me into a gamer. Um, I, I played arcades, I played the Atari 2600, and but the NES, which is so many great titles, and, and the level of depth that it provided that I hadn't previously seen in games, it, it really solidified me as being a lifelong gamer, and it's a system that I look... I mean, every single time I hear the word NES remake or anything like that come out, I'm instantly interested in whatever they're talking about. Um, and I still go back and play certain titles on that system pretty regularly, so, I mean, that has to be included. Um, the Dreamcast is on there for me because even though it was only out for a year, it had so many titles that inspired pure joy in me that I can't neglect it. And I can honestly say that it was probably one of the greatest years ever in gaming was the, the year that the Dreamcast shone so brightly. Um, and it's a system that, I mean, even though, again, it was out for a year, my collection of Dreamcast games is, is more than my collection of GameCube games, which has quite a bit... Um, I would say the PS2, not, uh, because, I mean, I mostly played Last Gen's games on the Xbox because the versions ran a little better and I liked the controller better, but the PS2 just had so many great first-party software uh, titles that, that weren't on the other systems, and it had all the third-party games that I was playing on Xbox, and it had so many original great titles that I, like the Jack and Daxter series, Shadow of the Colossus, God of War, so many things that... I love and that, that what I would consider you know, near perfection um, that I, I can't neglect choosing it. Um, I would pick the DS because it is, in my opinion, the greatest portable console of all time. It's the second most played console for me now. I, I play that thing pretty much every day. And it's also the system that has the most unique range of titles on it um, out of everything that I own. And my fifth would be the Xbox 360 because since I was a little kid, I've wanted this whole... Um, this whole pick-up-and-play experience out of a console, games that weren't $60, games that weren't, you know, rich, long experiences. I wanted the arcade days to come back, and I think that Xbox, more so than the Wii and the PS3, has brought back that feeling of being in an arcade and having all these, you know, cheap choices that you could pick up and play, and, and the, the way that it's integrated technology and connectivity and how you can talk to your friends, you can see what they're playing, you can talk with them while they're playing other games. All that stuff has really changed the way that I game. And, and the, the library is great as well. And, and there's so many other little things with that console that make it so special. And it has, in my opinion, the greatest controller of all time. So out of those five, it was really hard for me to choose which one was my favorite. And I see now that my choice will decide who is the greatest of all time. And I will say that out of those five, I chose the PlayStation 2 yeah. as my favorite console of all time. <laughs> Just because, even though I love my 360 with a passion... I can't neglect the fact that the, the over the I mean the Xbox 360 might get there. There's I mean it still has another five or six years left in its life, but I mean the PS2 and has so many hundreds of amazing titles and titles that really 
brought in the 3D generation in a way that the PS1 couldn't because of its power. And uh, it defined, I mean, the fact that to the games we are playing now, many of them just feel like, you know, uh, slightly innovated on versions of things that were invented in the PS2 era. And that Sony did so many crazy original things during that era that really brought uh, new ways to play games. And for that, I have to give the PS2 its, its well-deserved nod by a hair. I will say that by a hair. Um, and I, I know that half of you are probably pretty mad at me right now, so we will just ignore that, and we will <laughs> I don't think so. I think that's actually something that we can all go away pretty happy about, because, uh, you know, we, we said halfway through or whatever when we, we said, oh, no one's actually brought up the PS2. And, and we all kind of said then, oh, actually, so I think, I think that's a, it's, it's not a compromise, but it's probably the right decision. Fair enough. I'm very happy with you. I'm sure you are, and I, I assume that you would have never thought that I would have picked that console. So. No, it wasn't my, my choice of yours. I thought you were going to go with Dreamcast, actually. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd go for Dreamcast as well. I was, I was thinking about it, but uh, you know what? Playing Typing of the Dead last week kind of influenced me a bit, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I ended up making the right choice. All right, so let's wrap this ship up. Um, I'd like to thank everyone for coming on today. It was a great discussion, great times, um, and I would like to give each of you a chance to plug stuff. So let's start with Fly. What do you got to plug? Uh, I would plug uh, thegamerscene.com, and that's about it. Okay, great. <laughs> and thanks and to you guys, guys for having me on. So I oh, plug absolutely. you guys, too. <laughs> Never um, miss an episode. <laughs> the uh, the scene cast is one of my most enjoyable weekly listens, so I, I thank you for coming on, sir, and we hope to have you on again. Uh, Jen? Uh, I'll plug uh, quite a few different sites. I'll plug gamesareevil.com, uh, because, well, the amount of work I put into it, I'd like people to go look. <laughs> Fair enough. Perfectly. Uh, Dan? Um, I'll plug the Unified Gamers Network, of which many of us are our members, certainly in Ninja Fat Visions and TGS. Um, I'm also going to give a plug to um, the guys at Weeds. I know you had Jack on the other week on Big Red yes. Potion, and uh, we, we did sort of get onto a brief Wii discussion, and I think actually those guys are one of the lone voices out there really championing the Wii, and they're really um, doing a lot of research, a lot of digging. So if you want to find out more about the Wii and what's coming on its, you know, its uh, its download services, then definitely check them out. They're doing some great work. Absolutely. Great guests. We've had them on many times, and they do a good show. Uh, Rato? I would like to plug the Gamerdork UK podcast. Uh, recent episodes include such luminaries as uh, Julia Murdoch from Gamers with Jobs, uh, Big Red Potion, and while we've been making this podcast, the latest episode has just gone up with none other than Chris Remo from Idle Thumbs, which we recorded last night. So, um, don't know how it's come out yet. It might be terrible, but um, I think it's probably probably well worth a listen. So uh, that's at gamerdork.net, or, uh, where there's also a lot of reviews and blog pieces and a very friendly forum. And you can also find us on iTunes. So subscribe to us there, please. Thank you very much. Cheers, and thanks for having me. <laughs> Showing us up, are you? All right. Well, uh, <laughs> absolutely great show, and uh, congratulations on all the, the great guests you've had recently. Um, and Sinan? Um, I'd just like to give an, an, another plug for Gamerdork. We were on uh, their previous podcast and uh, we had a great time and uh, I can't wait to listen to the, to the Chris Romero podcast and uh, lastly a nice selfish plug for me I've been refurbishing my blog and trying to give it a full clean rather than a spring clean so check it out at shoinan.com s-h-o-i-n-a-n dot com absolutely 
Absolutely. And uh, we'd also like to throw a quick plug out there for the BigRedPotion.com website. We've got a lot of cool things up there. And also, please leave us stuff on iTunes because it's fun. And also, uh, the Scenecast and the Game of Dark podcast and the Ninja Fact Pigeons podcast because we're all awesome and we deserve your, your feedback. Um, it's, I, I, it doesn't I matter if it's bad. Just say, uh, just rock, thank you to all our guests because we've been very patient with how uh, Joe and I have handled this week's show. Yeah. So, thanks we had, solid 40 minutes of technical difficulties before the show today so uh, these guys are awesome for waiting around for us so thank you to all of you for, for sticking around for the show and uh, and that's it um, until next week I'm Joe D'Elia I'm John and they are everyone else and we have been Big Red Potion goodbye